I've got some great news for Football Nation Radio listeners. Our supportive partner, Northern Motor Group, is offering $250 off any in-stock vehicle this end of financial year. That's if you take delivery before the 30th of June. With eight big car brands, MG, Nissan, Kia, Isuzu Ute, Jeep, Ram, Samsung... Peugeot and Pacific Caravans, it's literally a one-stop shop for all your driving needs. Plus, with over 150 quality pre-owned vehicles, Northern Motor Group really does have your next vehicle purchase ready and waiting. Don't wait. Visit www.northernmotorgroup.com.au today. They're in Grimshaw Street, Bandura. And tell them George sent you. LMCT 6595. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, You know things are hotting up when there is a trophy tour of the Women's World Cup. 21 days to go and the uh, trophy is uh, doing the rounds. It's in Queensland. Um, It's going to Brisbane, Morton Island and of course the Sunshine Coast before it wraps up on the Gold Coast. I think on Saturday. Yep. So everybody knows very much that the Women's World Cup is happening and it's happening really soon. And there are two places to be, Australia and New Zealand. Absolutely. Are you excited? I'm <laughs> you were over the yeah, moon, I'm over you? the moon. And I think that uh, we're doing a lot more in the last few weeks of doing making public the public yeah. aware of it yeah. with the – Announcement they're doing the stuff on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and things yep, like that. That just, was amazing. I think they it's closed really important. Off. Like the more of it, it's on the news, the more people think about. Oh, I might just go to one game and have a look. I was going to say, was timing is always the issue. You don't want to go out too early because then you're sort of you're talking about it, talking yeah. about it, and it winds out. This way, we're we're now in the final straight. Exactly. It, it's not quite as long as the Flemington straight, <laughs> but they're coming home with a wet sail. And dare I say it, don't miss it. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a great number of people. It's the original trophy, and you can get up close and personal. And I don't think people realise how big a World Cup is. You know, just if you think the women's football is at a one stage, but World Cups of football, they matter, and people show up and show out. 100%. And this is the – I think this is going to be the biggest women's World Cup thus far in history. So – that's sensational. Absolutely. Um, women's sport is coming along in leaps and bounds. Um, you, don't, you don't have to listen to us. Just look and see how much space the women are getting. And rightly so. They've been held back uh, artificially for quite some time. They're, you know, it was almost like a handicap race for a while. We tied one hand behind your back. Then we tied two hands behind your back. But the movement uh, is well and truly underway. And uh, I'm excited to think that our Matilda's given given a little a sl- little slice of luck because we need it in every sport, don't we? They could go, they could do something magical. They certainly mind could. you, mind you, you and I will be uncontrollable if they do something <laughs> magical. Oh, if the Matildas, uh, <laughs> you know, just are able to, I, I I would think that it was important is if the Matildas are able to make a quarterfinals. Yeah, I think that is a yep. huge win. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. A huge boost for and any further along. That's is, that's great. It's a bonus, it? oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think that you know we just don't want to see them out. You know, early in the competition. No, so no, I think no, it, it hurts. No, no. Um, but yep. I think we've got a squad that's capable of doing it. And I've, I've seen recently 
the England squad have had some people have to be pulled out of the tournament, um, which if we were to finish second in our group, we would face them right. uh, if they were to finish top of their group. And that kind of, you know, helps us out a little bit along the way. But obviously you don't want to see players injured at I all. I love it when you're doing all this close study and you've been doing the sums and you've been running the the lineups and looking at all the option players. You know, the other, only other person I know who's been able to do that has been Pablo Batterson, who went off to, to Thailand and he said to me, I reckon I can do some uh, reports for FNR if you guys can get off your your butt. Uh, it took us a little while to get off our butt. But um, the one thing I can assure you, uh, Pablo did not wait. He jumped, he got into Thailand, and he watched the under-17s um, uh, launch their campaign. Um, and I'm wondering what he made of it uh, now that he's back home. By, by the way, um, Pakua, if we talk to him, let's do it slowly because he's still recovering. Uh, he doesn't know what time zone he's in. Uh, Pablo, welcome to FNR. <laughs> Thanks for making this happen. Hello. Uh, what time zone are we, are Hello, we in George. at the moment? Come on, check, check, tell me. Uh, I'm adjusting, and I, I had a small dose of melatonin last night, George. Oh, that will slow you down a little bit. That'll make you very uh, cruisy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to help with adjustment, and I got some good expert advice from my local pharmacist, so yep. I trust in that. Yes, well, as long as it was pure, you'll be all right. You'll be, you'll be doing very well. Thank you very much. Listen, welcome back. Uh, very, very wonderful to, to know that there are Australians with great passion and great, and great um, um, need to see our young stars in the flesh uh, how were the conditions over there for you? The, I know watching the boys play, uh, every was it every half an hour they had them stopping and uh, hydrating and making sure that they had plenty of water in their system. What did you make of the competition and the quality of play? Um, well, I think our own performances were a little patchy and that cost us in the end. However, there are many positives and we certainly uh, bounced back when we played uh, China, uh, although <laughs> notwithstanding we had some scares when they made a bit of a comeback late in the, in the just before the break and then early in the second half when we really should have had the game so, well sewn up. But look, the conditions were very trying for both players support staff and the fans high humidity heat and i look i have to question it was diabolical we got four 5 p.m kickoffs four out of four games at 5 p.m in the summer of the heat and humidity of thailand now i can't work out how that that that, that was planned uh, by the afc but that's that's what we got and, and I think it, it really drained everybody that little bit more. So that was very testing uh, from the first two games in Shamburi to then coming back to Bangkok and then playing the quarterfinal uh, at the uh, BG Stadium in Pathum Thani. I thought the pitches also uh, were, were a bit of a problem too. There were some heavy pitches which made it very difficult to play that lovely free-flowing football that the boys are capable of, uh, of, uh, of playing? Yeah, certainly in Shamburi, uh, very early on, it, it was uneven bounce. It was very heavy. Uh, and, and that's a problem with many Thai pitches. Uh, 
which I've seen firsthand in club matches as well over there. Because as you know, my partner's Thai and I've seen a lot of football in Thailand over the last six or seven years. But then when we got to BG Stadium in Patentani for the quarterfinal, that pitch was excellent and a lovely stadium. So I don't think it had an impact there, but certainly in Shamburi and at the big stadium in Bangkok as well, uh, uh, the Raja Manal. Oh, I can never get that pronunciation <laughs> right. I'm not gonna, and I'm not going to try because the way we pronounce it isn't yeah. the way the Thai. No, uh, my wife keeps reminding me about that. Uh, so yeah, that you know, and when you're playing backing up every three or four days, that takes its toll as well. So it's a real challenge for the players and the conditioning staff. Uh, I was just going to say to you, uh, I thought, as you said, the conditions for the quarterfinal. Uh, the, the pitch looks uh, spectacular, and the ball ran, uh, uh, you know, very quickly across the pitch. No worries there at all. But that match three days earlier, I won't call it a bog, but it was certainly a very heavy pitch. And I reckon that would have taken something out of the boys, especially Irukunda, who's been explosive all year. You, you saw him struggling to get to some to some parts of that ground. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't suit Nestori's uh, style of play quite clearly. Uh, but we saw he came alive in the quarterfinal. He kept us in the game, some brilliant finishing. Uh, and uh, look, it, it was a, there were two turning points when we got back to 2-1 in the quarterfinal. It could, if we'd got them to extra time, maybe we, with our conditioning uh, staff and everything, we would have been up for for finishing it off but then of course we there was a sucker punch and you which you kind of come to expect with japanese national teams brilliance <laughs> the number 10 for japan yeah very good uh, was that sato i think yeah. uh, absolutely brilliant he was the the best player on the park for my, for my uh thinking uh and we were outplayed technically i think george that's something we've got to accept the fluency the transition uh, and the poise on the ball right from the back line right through the midfield to, to up front. You and mentioned something. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned sucker punch. Uh, I thought that that first goal was was the sort of goal that cracks defences and breaks morale. It, it was uh, basically a, a, a cross ball. It bounced, it, it bounced over the centre half or, this, or the central defender, and our next header was a totally um, off balance and it played straight into their striker who just took a moment and put it right where he needed to. And that sort of set us back on our heels, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Deflating and on the terraces, the silence straight after that. We couldn't quite believe it so early in the game. I think it was naive defending. I don't want to... I don't think we should point the finger at individuals. No, no, no. It was... There were, t- there were two at least... First of all, the ball coming across and then two two defenders, just naive defending. Uh, and that was a bit of a pattern, I have to say, George, through, through the tournament. It started against Saudi Arabia with their opening goal. It continued uh, at least one of the goals that China put past us. And then, of course, in, in that, uh, that game, uh, the, the final quarterfinal game. And probably we're a little bit fortunate in the first half against Tajikistan as well to come into the break uh, on even terms. Now, that's a very good point. Tajikistan came at us very early. We started the first press 
And then suddenly it was like a, this uh, cloud had come over the ground and Tajikistan were, went, went on this uh, series of marauding raids and our defence just held out. Our keeper did what he needed to do. This is the young man who's just signed with Bayern München. And um, uh, then we got the, the goal that gave us the ascendancy and they went on with that. But you're absolutely right. We, we were most fortunate in that regard. But, but what do you put this down to, uh, Pablo? And we're speaking to Pablo Batterson, who's just come back from watching the under-17s in Thailand, and uh, we're getting a bit of a, uh, a review and, uh, and, a, and a sense of just how difficult the conditions were. And, of course, always on television, uh, much easier to sit at home in the comfort of our homes um, in, the, in, a, in a very wintry Australia and, and say to ourselves, uh, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 34 degrees at kickoff time with wow. very high humidity and heavy pitches, uh, except for that final game. That combination, and I know, I know it's the same for all teams, but even so, uh, and these are young lads, 16 and 17. Uh, you know, they're not grown men yet. I was going to say, still do, do, we, do we have two or three 15-year-olds in that squad? I think so, yeah. That, that's not a uh, bad effort bright. to have 15-year-olds there. Yeah, and that's bright for the future because they will then uh, step up, hopefully, uh, a lot of them to the young soccerers squad uh, and then contracts with clubs. Maybe some will go to Europe. And then, of course, the pathway to the Olaroos, uh for future Olympics. And then hopefully some of them will step up and eventually make it into the senior ranks. Uh, I mean, that, that, it's, a, it's a long-term project for development of these players. It's a combination of clubs and, and, and national teams getting it right and, and good agents who pick the right clubs for these kids <laughs> to go to as well. That's a big challenge as well. You're listening there um, to uh, Pablo uh, Picot. Yeah, absolutely. And Pablo, I was just going to ask you, speaking about some of those young players who may have opportunities to, to go abroad and things like that, but obviously Nestor Irunkunda uh, got lots of the praise and he was, you know, obviously scoring, I think, was it three or four goals? During yeah, yeah, but double-teamed and yeah, triple-teamed yeah, at was, times. You know, was was doing all those wonderful things. What other players were the standouts? It doesn't obviously have to just be young from, Benny. Australia, yeah, from Australia, but who were the players that were really standout throughout the tournament? Well, there was young one, one young lad of Portuguese background, and I actually talked to his mum in the stands, Tiago Quintal. Ah. And I thought in that first game against Saudi in the first half, he was one of our best. And Brad made the decision not to start him, and he, 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 he delayed introducing him in the quarterfinal uh, until late, very late in the game. His touch, his finesse... Uh, uh, tight ball control and so on. He's got some vision. Uh, I, I really like that style of player. It re- reminds me of some of the attributes of you know of Nick Carl as uh, that sort of style. And 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 we need these technical players um, if we want to match it. You know uh, at, at all at all national uh, at all levels with say Japan and they're the benchmark in Asia, yeah. I believe. Uh, we have to produce more technical players, people who are players who are comfortable on the ball, make good decisions, 
get into the right spaces and so on. And this is something that Japan, the, the education and the development starts very early. So they've, they've had a head start on us with a long-term strategy and blueprint. Uh, football starts at home as, as part of that. Uh, and uh, we, look, we have to match them technically. I think we've got the physicality and we've got the, that, that Aussie mentality and the physique, but no, it's the technical aspects, I think, that uh, close ball control especially and the first touch, second touch and so on. Uh, and that's a real challenge, but it's an opportunity uh, if we're open uh, to evolving maybe the national curriculum further. Uh, I still think a lot of younger coaches, I'm not talking about that in the national setup, are still fixated with physicality. Mm. I, I don't think we've, we've shaken that off completely. Uh, Pablo and, Madison is and, our special guest on FNR. Uh, Pablo, my, my other thought is, in an area that we occasionally uh, sort of um, lack, we don't seem to have young players who will read the play as well as some of the uh, players we saw in the Japanese side. You can see them moving into in a ter- into terrific spots or turning the play at at key times to you know increase the pressure on the defence. We we do we move the ball beautifully, but. At the, it's that last pass or it's that second to last pass and you see it going astray or being delayed by a fraction or being overplayed and you sit there and you say, another move broken down, another promising move broken down. Did, did, did that rear its ugly head? Because I think young Benny, I thought a young Manatidis, the boy from Adelaide, uh, certainly showed enormous flair and, uh, and great potential. Yeah, look, I agree with those comments and observations, George. Uh, I think reading the game, look, as I, I reflect on the, my father was many things. He was a teacher, a writer and a football coach. And he instilled that in me from a very young age uh, and reading, reading the game. And that's reflected in good decision ma- making. Also uh, in spontaneity when, when it's appropriate. Uh, and, and, I, and I think in the first half, look, we were completely outplayed. We came back in the second half against Japan. Yep. Uh, but we can, we can learn from the, their successes. And, and I still think, uh, thinking ahead, that if and when an Asian team wins the, the Men's World Cup, and the women have already done it. Uh, I think the Japanese women, women's team have, uh, have set the pace. Uh, but for the men, it'll be a Japanese team. I, I, I don't know when, but I think eventually it'll happen. And this reflects their long-term vision and development from young ages right through and the way they nurture them and bring, encourage them and bring them right through. Um, so we can aspire for, for, for developing this sort of nous, if you like, mm. uh, and, it, and I think football starts at home, George, is really important. Well, uh, and can't argue with anything that you said there. Um, I, I'm, I'm reminded yet again, there, it's the wanderer in you, the wanderer in you talking. Uh, are, you looking forward, <laughs> are you looking forward to a, a, a better season? Uh, because you guys made huge inroads this season in the A-League. Yeah, I am, but I still think... It's going to be hard to get back to what we had before. Um, I mean, it was a, almost a surreal time. Uh, 
getting to the final and winning the final of the ACL in 2014. And I was there in that second leg, that momentous second leg in Riyadh uh, to witness that. Um, but I think, you know, there are positive signs because the, the academy at the Wanderers is producing some really good players and the setup there, and that's becoming almost a, a benchmark for the league. Uh, but I still think we've... I, I don't like to make predictions. Yes, we're more competitive. Yep. But I'm not too sure about the style of play, uh, okay. uh, George. That's fair enough. Um, I'm not convinced uh, under Rudin the, the style of play. Um, it holds up. Yeah, and yeah. it's not all about just commitment and, and hard work. Of course, hard work and fitness uh, and, and focus is, is important. But um, it's getting the right mix. Yeah, um, correct. I mean, we all, a lot of people like to think they are, they're, they're coaches um, <laughs> um, from, from the armchairs, don't, oh, don't we? But, social media uh, has given everyone <laughs> the opportunity to be a professional coach uh, in, their, in their dreams. But it is what it is. Social media does it. It draws the best and the worst out of all of us. And you're right, I've never seen so many specialist coaches giving my, my, my club or, or Pakua's club, you know, advice every second of every day. And the worst time of the year is right now, in between seasons, when everyone knows who's the right player to bring in, how much money you need to spend. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what do you know of these people? And more importantly, in, in the, in the, in the, in the um, instance of uh, uh, Arsenal and Arteta, he he would have a plan. He would have a plan that he's been putting into, into effect for the last two or three years to get to where they are now. And here we are on the sidelines. We know everything. But uh, I'm very interested, just before we wrap this up, uh, Pablo, and, and thank you very much for finding the time and giving us the opportunity to do a bit of a review. Um, was there much talk about the upcoming Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand while you were away? Oh, most definitely on the terraces, and uh, the excitement really is building. Uh, I also talked to a couple of the staff who will be involved in in the back room and behind the scenes uh, with the organisation from within supporting the Matildas. Uh, It's, look, it is a once in a, potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity on on home soil. Uh, I got my tickets a long time ago. uh, Of course you did. And, and, yeah, and then, uh, look, I'm excited by it. I think, uh, look, I think the Matildas really do have the chance to win uh, the World Cup. Uh, I don't think we should get ahead of ourselves, no. and I know they'll take it one game at a time. Yep. But on home soil, and we've got momentum, uh, we're we're settled. We seem to have come to you know key players like Ellie Carpenter have come back from that. Uh, horrendous injury, and the, and there are others on the comeback. Kaya so Simon I is think in the that, squad too. Wow. Yeah, Pica- yeah. Pakur uh, is, a... is still her eyes are rolling. She couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, she's a legend, and you knew that maturity. And the evidence shows you probably know this, George, that to win a World Cup. You got to have the right mix of experience with a few veterans and and youth as well. Uh, that that's the evidence of World Cups uh, over the probably the last couple of decades, 
Uh, and, and I think we have got a really exciting mix of the young and the experienced uh, and a few veterans, if you like. Uh, and uh, look, I, I, I'm excited. I, I know I'm not a, a betting person, but I noticed the odds have just been trimmed uh, on the TAB for, <laughs> for, for the Matildas winning the World Cup, wow. which, is, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think we'll make it to at least the quarterfinal, probably the semifinal, and then after that, make your own luck yeah. uh, on home soil. Well, well Pakua has been saying for ages, let's just let's just give them an opportunity to play the game. Uh, she thinks it'd be super exciting if we make it to the the quarters, and then from there on, it's almost a second another competition from then on, isn't it? Absolutely, the, it's a bit like getting through those early stages. Yeah, it's ultimately for the Matildas if they finish second in their group, and then they have to face England. If they beat England, everything from there onwards is you know it's just yeah, oh, opportunity, opportunity, and opportunity. You've got to take it. Uh, Pablo, thank you very very much. Good luck with your uh, Wanderers. Um, uh, and good luck uh, with um, the uh, the recovery uh, that you've been going through. We we hope the melatonin works tonight and gets gives you an even longer uh, uh, sleep uh, break. But uh, we really appreciate your uh, contribution on the the program. Each and every week we talk about the state of the game, and it's getting exciting. And hearing these youngsters uh, making a, a presence, we saw some lovely young players. Uh, just give us a glimpse of what's to come. But you're absolutely right. Uh, we have to look at our at our play, our style of play, and uh, see if we can get that mix right and those final decisions uh, a little sharper than uh, what we've seen. But again, you remind us that the conditions were seriously difficult over there for all the teams, but especially for our young boys who who discovered what international competition is all about. Yep, certainly a reality check. Yep. But they can go a lot further and uh, with the right support, the right uh, self-belief and focus. So thanks for the opportunity to have the chat, George, and uh, I'll see you at the Women's World Cup, uh, hopefully. And and I'm looking forward to Socceroos recommencing World Cup qualification in November as well. That's right. It's coming. It's absolutely coming. A lot of football. The world game is, uh, as they say, coming at us at 100 miles an hour. Thank you to Pablo.